Nobody likes suffering, or do they? You see, it's what we have to gain on the backside of suffering. Well, if it's a better body through suffering with weightlifting and exercise, then we're all for it. Maybe to lose a few pounds? Yeah. So what about our life in Christ? Let's talk about that next. called to suffer. Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and here in Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Final look at our series, Suffering the Path to Glory. We're looking at the power of the Christian's witness as suffering empowers our witness for Christ and the path to glory, two basic things to remember about suffering. It's all straight ahead. Join us. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Okay, you can turn over in your Bibles to Romans, Romans chapter 8. We're talking about the path to glory, which is suffering, and we talked about suffering last week, and I want to cover the second half of that message, uh, the aspect of our glory that will come one day, uh, today. We who are saved don't need to work at staying saved. We're kept by God's power. Isn't that a wonderful truth? We'll receive that inheritance that was promised to us even before the world began. And that should cause us true joy. Uh, That should cause us a willingness to focus on things above and not on things here on the earth. So it's an eternal glory. Well, we also see the proof of this glory in verse 17. And we talked about this last week, so we're just going to skim over this. First of all, the fact of suffering. He says, since we are children of God, we are heirs of God. Um, It's very clear that whether it's severe persecution or simple persecution, it's very, very easy to see that the world does not have a place in their heart for the things of God. It rebels against God's authority. It rebels against God's word. It rebels against God's truth. It doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So when you go out as a Christian and you're trying to share the truth of God with people, they're not going to, you know, wrap their arms around you and give you a a big fat kiss saying, well, thank you so much for sharing this truth with me. That I'm a sinner. That I'm unrighteous. That there's no hope outside of Christ. Christ. You do that, what's going to happen? You're going to experience the same hate that Christ experienced. You're going to experience the same rejection that Christ experienced. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, Paul says this, It's a faithful saying, For, we, for if we be dead with Christ, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. And once again, I think a proper translation would say, since we suffer. Because if you're living a faithful life for Christ out in this hostile world, you're going to experience that hostility. John 15, 18, Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. So don't run from persecution, beloved. Don't run and try to compromise the gospel into something that it's not. 
That's the problem with most Christians and most churches today is they make they want to make the gospel unoffensive. They want to dumb it down to some simple little feelings and make everybody feel good. So we can just get together in a big circle and hold hands and sing kumbaya and hopefully God will understand. No, he won't. He will not. He will judge that mentality one day. See, there's a lot of of people, even within the church, I believe, that are unwilling to pay the price for their faith. So they're careful with their words. They're careful with the truth, even though they know it to be true. I don't know about you, but when I go to a doctor, maybe you've had tests done and you're sitting there. And I remember when I had that cancer in my shoulder, the doctor basically said, well, come on in, we need to talk. And I said, well, what do we need to talk about? Just tell me what the results are. Well, we'd rather have you here. It's like, oh, great, okay, whatever. So I go in there. But it was pretty matter of fact. Here's what you have. Here's what it is. And I appreciate that. You know, it irritated me if the guy would have went on for 20 minutes trying to, you know, prepare me for the truth that that I needed to hear. See, a lost and dying world needs to hear the gospel. And they need to hear it in a bold way. We don't need to dumb it down. We don't need to, you know, kind of take it and make it all nice and cushy and cozy and comfortable. I talked to one pastor one time who was telling me that in their church they don't sing hymns anymore. And I said, well, why not? They said, well, you know, it kind of makes people feel uncomfortable when you start talking about, you know, the blood of Christ or someone who's a wretch or, you know... I said, well, who are you trying to, who are you concerned about? I mean, are people in your own church uncomfortable? Well, yeah, they've, they've expressed that. They, I said, well, maybe they need to hear the truth. Maybe they need to be a little uncomfortable. But see, we, we live in a day and age where, what? Tolerance, 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 right? Truth is all relative. So when you speak the word of truth in the public arena today, what happens? Wow, the the wheels come off the cart. They come out of the woodwork to attack you, thinking that somehow you're, you're speaking some blasphemous thing. So we have to understand that it's, it's a, a fact. The result of suffering basically is the more you suffer, the more you're going to grow. That's very clear. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What's that saying? The more you grow... The more you suffer, the more you grow. That's why God allows suffering in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 to 18, Paul says very clearly there in verse 8 to 10, he says, We are inflicted, afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our body. I mean, Paul and his companions lived at death's door. He continues in verses 11 and 12 of 2 Corinthians 4. He says, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So death is at work in us, but life in you. 
What's he saying? This was the cost in spreading the gospel. There's a cost in reaching out with the gospel. See, and we've got things mixed up. We think that somehow we we can isolate our life on Sunday from the rest of our life the rest of the week. So we come here on Sunday and we bring our Bibles and we sit under the teaching of God's word and we feel all warm and fuzzy. And then we go out in the world and we forget what he's called us to do. To infect the darkness with the light. To infect falsehood with the truth. There's a cost in spreading the gospel. Are you going to ruffle feathers? Definitely. Count on it. Paul and his companions suffered so that others might benefit. Look at verse 16, 2 Corinthians 4. He says, so do not lose heart. We don't lose heart, he says. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Do you believe that? See, those who suffer for Christ receive an inward dose of divine strength. He continues in verse 17 there. He says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison or comprehension. What's he saying? The more you suffer now, the greater you will have a capacity to understand the glory in the life to come. We're called upon to suffer because... God does a work through that. He says in verse 18 there, 2 Corinthians 4, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary, they're here and gone tomorrow. But the things that are unseen are eternal. See, I think we we need to really step back from our daily planners and our iPads and our iPhones and all our scheduling tasks and everything and really honestly assess what are our priorities? What are our priorities in life? Are they based on things that are transient? Are they based on things that are one day not going to be around or are they based on things that are eternal? You know, we change our perspective all the time in life. You know, your, your, your perspective changed big time when you find that special person that God has gifted you to be with for the rest of your life and you're married. You know, you can't have the same perspective as a married person as you did as a single person. It doesn't work. Trust me, I've tried it. I remember right after I was married, Thanksgiving rolled around and I told Ambika and Crystal, I said, well, we're going to go on a drive on Thanksgiving Day and where are we going? Well, Go out to I-5 there and look for a family maybe that needs something to eat. Who are they? I don't know. You're not taking my daughter and I'm not going with you and you're not going either. (laughs) Are you nuts? Why would you do such a thing? You're putting yourself in harm's way. You know, all of a sudden the perspective changed. So your perspectives change is my point. And see, sometimes when we're going through, going through suffering, all right, we need to have the proper perspective. We need to stop and say, wait a minute. Is this just a mistake that this is happening? No, this is happening by God's divine hand. If you're his child, trust me, if you're going through any suffering, don't think God's blinked or looked the other way and fell asleep at the wheel or something. It's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, he knows exactly what's going on in your life. And he's allowing it to happen for a purpose. And so we need to what? Practice faith. We need to kind of trust God for what he's going to do in our lives. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, he says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. See, beloved, the thing I need you to understand is our suffering one day will pay off. It will pay off in glory when Christ returns. And there's also a consolation in suffering. 2 Corinthians 1.5, Paul says this, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. See, the degree to which you suffer is the degree to which Christ brings peace to your heart. There's no need to fear anything. I mean, some people, I think, are afraid to suffer for Christ because they think that somehow they won't be able to handle it. People wonder, wonder how sometimes you deal with certain criticisms that you hear when you stand up for biblical truth. You know, it comes down to basically fearing God more than man. I'd rather say what needs to be said and get persecuted for it than not stand firm for Christ. When we stand firm for Christ, that light of affliction that we, that we deal with sometimes from people confirms that I'll have a, a greater capacity to understand the glory for the Lord in the future. Philippians 3.10, Paul says that he longed for the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. He longed for it. Galatians 6, 17, he says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. To the Colossians, he wrote in in one twenty four, I fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. He considered a privilege, beloved, to bear the blows of the one that he was called to suffer for. I mean, when we suffer for Christ in this sin-cursed, sin-stained, Christ-hating world, that's something that's normal. That's not something that should be abnormal. I think that the church has just been so silent and silenced in the day and age we live in. As long as you be quiet about things, then you don't cause a ruckus, then it's okay. You go believe whatever you want. But when you start preaching the gospel, you start preaching the truth of God to people's hearts. Wow, it starts convicting. But how will they hear the truth if we don't tell them? So he says in verse 17, they're back to Romans 8, that, hey, you know what? He suffered. We're going to suffer. He's glorified. So we will be glorified with him. There's no health and wealth, peace and prosperity doctrine in Christianity, at least the Christianity of Christ. It's not there. That's something that man has come up with to line their pockets with your money. And Christians who avoid conflict with the world, they really limit their potential by reflecting, for reflecting the glory to come in all eternity. You know, we don't have to limit our stand for Christ. Don't believe that lie. 
The last thing here, the comparison of glory, verse 18. Look at what he says. For I consider, I consider that word, it it has the idea of calculating. It has the idea of, of of a numerical calculation going on. It's in the present tense middle voice. And what that means, it's a continual action for one's benefit. It's something that goes on continuously. You don't just consider it when you get saved. No, this is a continual consideration that Paul is doing. And if he's continuing to consider, what is he considering? The sufferings of this present time. And what does that tell me? That these sufferings don't stop. There's not a certain point in your Christian maturity where you rise to a certain level and you don't have to deal with any suffering anymore. That's, that's not true. The Apostle Paul dealt with suffering from beginning to end. And what he says is, you know what? These present sufferings, they're not even worth comparing to the glory that awaits us. Not even, they don't even hold a match to it. We need to stop cowering in the face of persecution. We need to start thinking biblically about suffering so that we will grow through it rather than be destroyed by it. That word he uses there, consider, logizomai, it, it, it means to basically calculate something. We get the word logic from us. So when you stop and you, you think of, of somebody who is just making a rational decision and you get frustrated, you look at them and go, you know, where's their logic? Where's their common sense? Can't they see this is right? Well, apply that when you're going through suffering. Can't you understand that this is going to happen? We shouldn't be shaking our fist at God. We shouldn't be angry at God. We shouldn't be saying, why is this happening to me, God? No. We should be saying, hey, thank God it is. Because you know what? It's confirming your work in my life and in my, in, 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 my, uh, in my life every day. How did Paul endure all this? He endured it by faith. He endured it by faith. Well, quickly, four thoughts on suffering and glory here in the end. First of all, our present sufferings are relatively short compared to our eternal sharing in the glory of God. Do you know the eternal sharing in the glory of God is not a, you know, a week-long venture. <laughs> it's not a couple months. It's not a couple years. It's for all eternity. And yet, our life down here on this earth is like a, a mere vapor. You know, it seems the older you get, it's like the faster time goes. I mean, I remember when I was little, my, one of my oldest brothers had his 40th birthday. And I thought, wow, he's really old. Man, he's really old. And now I'm thinking, wow, what happened to 40? Where'd it go? You know, it's, what happened? And you begin to realize, you know what? This life is just clicking by. You know, it's, it's interesting. They had the, the baby shower for Jesse yesterday. And, and I'm thinking, you know what? 10 years, we're going to have a little guy running around the church. And we're going to say, remember that day we had that baby shower? And it's going to go like that. It's just going to fly by. And so these present sufferings are, are relatively short. Secondly, the weight of our present trials is like a feather on the scale, which can't compare with the tons of gold of the glory that will be revealed to us one day. I mean, that is so, so true. And so he says, don't lose heart. Even though we're in this world that's dying and filled with sin and our outer body is decaying, trust that our inner man is being renewed day by day. That that light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond 
our comparison. And then third, the third thing to think about to endure present temporary suffering for the future glory is that our future glory with God is absolutely certain. See, this isn't something that's held in question. You know, what we read in, in, in Revelation 21, is not some fancy fairy tale that, well, I guess, if, no, that's reality. That's what God's word says. God has promised it. God cannot lie or he, he is not God. God promised to return in power and glory to bring final redemption to his people and to judge his enemies. And he will do that. He is absolutely certain, beloved, about our future. And therefore, we should be absolutely certain about our future. And if we're absolutely certain about our future, and our future has nothing to do with this world in which we live, it should help us to reevaluate our priorities. What is going to last into all eternity? God's people and God's word. Where do they fit in your weekly schedule? The fourth thing is that God is using these sufferings to conform us to the image of his son. I mean, not even torture, martyrdom, nothing can separate us from the love that we have in Christ Jesus. And any suffering in this world is, is just absolutely trivial compared to what's coming down the road for us. And I, I pray that as believers, that you are edified in in your hope as you look forward to what God has in store for us. Because you know what? There's no hope outside of Christ. I mean, trust me, I've been with many people who've lost loved ones. And it's always a blessing to be with someone who knows Christ. It's always a blessing to be with someone who knows that that departed loved one knew Christ. And we can say with utmost certainty, they're in the presence of God. But I've been with many Many mothers who stood by their little baby, lifeless body because they don't know Christ, there's no hope for them in their thinking. And when I share with them what the Bible says about, you know what, I think God has a grace on these little babies. And I think that somehow God works it out to where they're chosen before the foundation of the world because he knew when they were going to die. He knew everything about them. And I think they're in his presence. And when you share that, you just see their, their grief and their burden. I mean, it's still there, but it takes on a different, a different look. And then you're able to share with them, you know what? You can know that same hope that one day you can be reunited in glory if you too trust in Christ. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for what awaits us. Lord, all these things are only because of what Christ has done for us and what he continues to do in us and through us. And Lord, we pray that if there's anyone here today who has yet to put their faith, their trust, their hope in Christ for the forgiveness of their sin, that today might be the day where they cry out to you, Lord, I know there's no hope outside of Christ. Please forgive me of my sin. I trust in Christ. I believe that he lived here that he died a perfect sacrifice, that he was buried on the third day, that he rose from the grave. And because he did that, he can take away my sin, that he can forgive it. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Change me. Transform me. Make me the person that you desire me and created me to be. 
That's a prayer that God will answer today. And for us believers, Lord, I pray that we would have an extra stride in our step as we leave this building today, that we would know that, you know what? Yeah, it's a, it's a hostile world out there. But that gives us even more reason to double down and to be even bolder for the cause of Christ. Not rude, but bolder to speak truth, to not shy away from what the Bible says. Because it's not just some relative truth. It is the only truth. And we trust that you will enable us to do so. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.